Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of realeverything.com. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Welcome back to The Whole View, episode 402, not 42. (laughs) Although, (laughs) 42 would be the answer to the life, universe, and everything. It's one of my favorite numbers. (laughs) You're full of punny jokes today. Uh, I'm just a nerd in every respect is really what it boils down to. And already the show has taken a downturn. (laughs) (laughs) I am excited today, Sarah, we get to share your big news with our listeners. I have known about this news for a long time, and I'm literally like moving my fingers with anticipation as I say this. I'm like so excited for you. I feel like I'm getting a new niece. That's what it feels like. Uh, You really are. You're absolutely getting a niece. My um, mother is also getting a grand dogger why that did not work out at all. <laughs> well it's good that you cut it off at the past because then I realized that we like might be insinuating something different for people and I was like oh we better not take this too far <laughs> um no uh so we're actually pre-recording this uh because on our normal recording day uh next week I intend to be completely overwhelmed not sure what hit me or what I was thinking with a brand new puppy I can tell you from personal experience that puppies are pretty great. <laughs> I um so I've I grew up with um oh gosh, I grew up with dogs and cats and turtles and parakeets and a rabbit and gerbils and mice and guinea pig and fish and um and we were just pretty much like the um there were all rescues. We were like the home. My mom before she became a teacher was a social worker. And she worked in a, a group home. And so there were a lot of pets that were not being particularly well looked after that then made their way into our home. And so we were just this, you know, we, we grew up in this uh, teeny tiny little 700 square foot house, family of five. And we still just had like one of everything, <laughs> two cats. Um, for a while, we had three cats, actually. Um, and so I've... Um, I've always sort of rejected the idea that I have to be either a cat person or a dog person because I really love both. And I just think that they're pets that you get something different out of. Like, I just think that they enrich your life in a different way. And as an adult, um, I've had cats, uh, you know, I've, I've had, um, I guess I'm on number three and number four of my own cats as an adult. And I've wanted a dog for, ever. And I've really just been waiting for the right time because I knew that that, um, my husband was the opposite. So he grew up with no pets and um, dogs are something that uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of comfort with. And my kids are both kids who have been a little bit skittish around dogs traditionally. So I've known that because of that, um, for them to be comfortable dog owners. It was really important for us to get a puppy. 
And so I've been waiting for a time in my life where I feel like we can have a puppy um, and that, you know, puppies are a ton of work and, um, and it's really important to put in that work for their first year in order to have a really nice dog. And so I've just been waiting for a long enough break from travel to be able to commit to a puppy. And when my health crashed last fall after my father's heart attack and I ended up canceling all of my 2020 travel, it was one of the first things Mira said was like, well, mom, now, now we can finally get a dog. And I looked at her and this was, oh, I think early October, I looked at her and was like, you're right. And so I, um, I, I basically, this has been in the works since then. Um, I have, um, I have been researching dog breed characteristics as a hobby for a very, very long time. Um, we're getting a Portuguese water dog and I've, that's the breed that I've wanted for, oh gosh, at least five, six years. I've decided that's absolutely the breed that matches my family's needs the best. Um, but when she said that and I just said, you're right. Oh, let's, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's pull a trigger and, and start doing that. The, fir the first place I started was, um, you know, let's go back to the drawing board and really make sure, um, you've, you've met me, Stacy, so you know that I'm not a person who does anything without thorough, thorough <laughs> research. Not just me. I think our listeners know you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this was, I mean, there was, there's a lot, I think that goes into the, you know, a dog is a, a lot more daily work than most other kinds of pets. And, um, you know, the Portuguese water dogs will live to be about 15 years old. So it's a, a fairly long commitment. And so the first thing I did when, when Mira, um, made me realize that here was the window that I've been waiting for, for years, um, was, um, I, I went back and I was like, okay, like, let's really make sure that this is the, the breed of dog that I want. Um, that's going to really fit this, um, fairly specific list, um, looking at what was going to be the right fit, not just for me, but for my family and, um, and really, you know, knowing that I had, a more lengthy criteria that had to be met because of the, you know, the four of us all having something slightly different. So we're really looking for, uh, especially because at the time, at the time that I started this whole process, I was still dealing with depression and anxiety um, after my my father's heart attack. That was, uh, I was not just having an autoimmune flare, but I was having um, really intense mental health challenges last fall. And so I... I knew that also um, my kids have some mild anxiety challenges that I try to be very proactive with. And my husband um, also has anxiety and, you know, sees a, a therapist and, you know, he's very proactive as well. But knowing that there, there's probably a genetic link there for all of us, and we're all people who, um, you know, my kids will, as adults, will have to be very proactive to, um, to support mental health, um, looking for a very social, cuddly, highly interactive, like a Velcro dog type dog was really important to me. So I really wanted a breed that was 
the type of dog who just wants to be in the middle of everything all the time and uh, wants to just hang out and cuddle, who is a big dog who thinks they're a lap dog. Um, and that was one of the things I was looking for. But also, we're a very active family. We like to go for walks. We like to go for hikes. Uh, camping is our favorite um, our favorite hobby. And I wanted a dog that would also get me out of the house more than just going to the gym four times a week so that I would be increasing my activity. So looking for a breed that was that needed a lot of activity was on my checklist. And then the other piece that I was looking for was a very smart, highly trainable um, dog. And so Portuguese water dogs check all of those boxes. They are um, they can learn like 300 different commands, um, which is more than I can even think of, of different things to, to train a dog. Um, they need physical exercise as well as mental exercise every day, but they are completely class clown, goofy, but also super cuddly and, you know, interactive social, social dogs. They're a breed that, um, make excellent therapy dogs, but they're also really great dog sports dogs. And one of the things that I have not ruled out is, uh, competitive agility, um, with my dog that just looks like a thing I would love. Um, and then the other thing that was, um, really important for us was a hypoallergenic breed because of the allergies in our families. So, um, you know, we don't know if the kids are allergic, but this kind of helps us, helps us get around that. So they're also a, a breed with hair instead of fur. And, um, and so, yeah, they were, I mean, I've, I've known for a long time that, that this was, um, the breed I wanted, but even, you know, last October I was like, okay, you know, we're going to start researching this. We're going to have conversations about what everybody in my family expects life with a dog to be like. And then we're gonna have some conversations about what life with a dog is really like. And, um, and really just sort of look at, you know, what are our needs and, um, what is the best route for us as a family to find the right dog for, us. And so that was, that was the beginning. And then once I had, um, decided that a Portuguese water dog was, um, the perfect mix of temperament and, you know, activity and, and all of the things that we were looking for, like really every single checkbox. Um, then it was a question of, of researching responsible and, and reputable breeders and really find, looking, um, doing a ton of research to find somebody who, really um, was active in AKC and the Portuguese Water Dog Club, who cares about, you know, improving the health of the breed with each generation, who both shows their dogs, um, but also lives with them as pets, who health tests and genetic screens before breeding and temperament tests their dogs and carefully places every puppy. Like, this is one of the things I was really looking for was a breeder who doesn't let me pick which dog and picks for me. Um, and who is somebody who also maintains a relationship with all of the owners of the dogs that they've, they've bred. And, um, I spent a lot of time finding that person. Um, so they were interviewing me and I was interviewing them. Uh, there was a lengthy application, but, um, after talking with several breeders, I found a really synergistic fit just a couple hours down the road. And I'm really, really excited because, uh, we're going to be picking up our, our wee girl, she's going to be um, not quite nine weeks old when we pick her up uh, this weekend. And uh, 
yeah. And then we're just going to have, we're going to have a whole new, a whole new family member for everyone. A whole new world. <laughs> so much. Uh, I've sang that song so often the last year. Um, I, I just want to say, I feel like, um, a lot of your excitement is tempered by needing to talk about the breeder position. So I'm just going to address the elephant as, in the room as someone who also has a quote unquote purebred dog. Um, as we are all individual in our health and lifestyle needs, we are also very individual in our pet needs. And I will say from personal experience, my family has rescued probably about 20 animals <laughs> between the dogs that I had when I was younger to um, the different cats that we've had over the years to the three-legged lizard that we rescued. Like mm -hmm. I, um, when I was pregnant with Wesley, we uh, adopted a dog. And unfortunately, the way that this often goes is it was sight unseen. It was, you know, from a West Virginia um, impound that was going to be putting dogs down. And um, it was like, once it was in our possession, like once we said, okay, we'll adopt a dog, it was in our possession. And that was it. There was no like getting to know the dog kind of thing. And turns yeah. out it was blind or not blind. It was deaf and having two toddlers and being pregnant, um, having a dog that is very high energy because it was like six months, um, who cannot understand commands because they are deaf was very impossible. And we did the thing where we, um, fostered the dog until we could find a better fit. And it was about six months of being with that dog who my children then became scared of because it would lovingly knock them over, but they didn't understand that. And the dog didn't understand and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so having gone through that, when we, when I would talk about a dog with Matt, it was like, no, like the answer was no, because our experience had been something that did not work for us. And in fact, was very stressful in our lives at a time that was already stressful. And it wasn't until our kids brought a presentation forward. I don't know if you remember me talking about this when we got Penny, but they put a PowerPoint presentation together talking about, um, the different temperaments of dogs and why they specifically had selected three that they felt would be a good fit for our family. And um, it was Matt and I doing further research of that presentation that we came to determine that an emotional support therapy animal was actually a really good idea for our family. And he was open to it once looking at the research of that. Now, I can't say that we couldn't have found something in another dog. You can't, you know, you can't predict whatever. But what I can tell you is that in doing research, in finding a breeder, breeder who specialized in emotional support therapy animals, um, and I've already had people ask that breeder is actually no longer doing that. Like they're, the, the mom has had the number of litters that she feels comfortable having and she's no, no longer moving forward with breeding. So you can't ask me. Um, but in, in finding someone who specifically specialized in that, um, I mean, her, her son had emotional needs that sh were met by the type of dog we yeah. have a Boston Terrier. And so she felt compelled to share that with others and, and um, did selective smart breeding like you were talking about. So I will say that I have never had a dog that I have 
bonded with and that has made such a difference in my life, except the puppy that my mom got that was a Newfoundland, which is very similar Mm. to a Portuguese water dog. Yeah, they look very similar. Um, They also have a lot of the same temperaments and um, all of that kind of stuff. And we got that dog from the pound as a puppy. We had no idea what that it was um, a, a Newfoundland. It was our vet estimated a purebred and it was very not well behaved and I we think someone just dropped it off at the shelter because they couldn't deal with it um but we loved that dog we raised it from a puppy and it we had like a super bond with that dog um and again with Penny because we got her when she was weeks old and I think that there is a difference in a special needs home which is what we have let me be very clear we like you have depression anxiety we have ADD ADHD like there's there's all kinds of things in our family and an animal whether it's a cat whether it's I don't know whatever your passion is for a while it was a three-legged lizard for me Um, (laughs) whatever your bonded animal is has a lot of scientific benefits that we are going to talk a little bit about but before we do that. I, w- I wanted to put out there that this is this is not an advertisement for go to the store and get a puppy mill puppy. Um, in no scenario is that good for for anybody, right? Like, there's um, my kids fell in love with a puppy in a pet store in New York City, and Matt and I were both like, absolutely not. Like, no, there's absolutely no way. Um, but we will allow you to do research and present it to us, and then we can make smart choices about what we want to do. But that said, um, I don't want to tell anybody what they should or should not do or the choices that you made. Or maybe you did buy a puppy from a pet store not understanding what you were doing. Yeah. But now you love that dog and, you, you know, you didn't intend to support a negative industry. That like There's no guilt or shame or whatever associated with that. Just like lifestyle and health that we talk about, looking back and having those kinds of emotions is never productive. What we can do is say, okay, now I'm educated. I'm going to make the best choices that I can with the knowledge that I have. Um, And I'm going to be educated and help others be educated. And so I don't want people to feel like we're coming here and being like, get a purebred puppy or someone feeling like if they didn't or whatever, like there's no, there's no sentiment about that. But I do think that it's important that you understand the kind of animal that you're getting, especially if you have a high needs home. And that is the lesson that we learned when I was pregnant and we tried to adopt a puppy that we ended up having to foster until we could find a a better suited family for that puppy. Because what you don't want to do is have an animal that's been through difficult times. I mean, if you're adopting an animal from any place, like they've had difficult times, like imagine that, you know, the trauma that they've been through to get to where they are. um, And then to not be a stable home environment for them is just going to make their behavior even more exaggerated. Um, So, just being mindful of what you're getting into is the only thing that I will say. And that that encompasses so many different perspectives. But it is important to understand that there, there are animals that have different temperaments based on both genetics as well as how they've been raised. Um, and it can be such a fantastically wonderful experience. I never would have imagined that us getting a dog could have gone as well as it has. Like I, I couldn't even imagine it could go half as well as it has, frankly. Um, 
And she is our dog, Penny, is a Boston Terrier, about two years old, almost years old, um, and has just been magic for our family. Like, I saw an immediate change in the depression and anxiety in one of our children who had slash has it and Matt. Um, Matt is very much a physical touch person and I am not a physical touch person. And it's one of the strains on our relationship is that I don't like being hugged. I don't like being spooned and snuggled and I need personal space, but a dog, a dog loves it. (laughs) And so it fulfills an emotional need for him that wasn't being met. And um, we all have emotional needs that need to be met and a pet might be that for you. There were a couple of articles that I read from the American Kennel Club, the AKC, and we'll put links in the show notes um, to these articles because they were very helpful for me to understand um, a lot of the myths around purebred dogs um, and feel comfortable going in that direction, Um, as well, though, as empowering um, one of the articles, we'll put a link into it. it, it gives you what to look for in a rescue organization, as well as what to look for in a breeder. Because that was, I mean, the, the first place that I had to start once I decided that I wanted to go this route was like, figure out what do I need to know, right? So like, okay, now I know, I, now I know about the the dog and the, and the temperament and the characteristics that I'm looking for and how this is going to fit into our family. But now I need to know, like, now how do I find the right exact dog. Like once I've, when, you know, like how am I going to do that piece? And so I found these articles really, really helpful. And like you, Stacey, you know, um, uh, I think every other animal I've ever owned has been a rescue. And this is the first, the first time that I'm not. And it, this really was a very, very, uh, carefully thought out decision, um, made with my family with all of our diverse needs in mind. Um, so I want to, um, you know, I want to not make a statement on which way is better. I think the important piece here is, um, that puppy mill in between, uh, between a responsible breeder and a rescue. It's the, it's that puppy mill in between that if you are looking for a dog now, it's really important to be aware um, of just how inhumane that industry is and how problematic it is and avoid that, that awful in between. And again, if, if you, Stacey, you said it, but I'm going to say it again. If you did get a dog from a pet store and you just fell in love with how cute it was and you got it on impulse without researching, like you, that's not something to feel guilty of. It's just something to be aware of for next time. Um, that there's really these, these two very ethical ways to, to go about this. And it's about, um, finding the right fit for you as an individual. Um, and I think it's also worth noting before we get into the sciences on the sort of benefits of, of pet ownership that were one of, you know, the main, main drivers for us to actually make this decision was right now with, uh, COVID-19 and shutdowns, there are a lot of, um, animals looking for foster homes. And so even if you think that you can't continue pet ownership after life returns to normal, that there are some organizations that are looking for temporary homes for their pets, um, where they'll actually be, 
you know, loved and taken care of and, and have human interaction. Um, and so uh, again, we'll, we'll link to these AKC articles that give you, um, lists of things to look for in the research. Um, cause I think it's, it's, uh, better to give you the, uh, knowledge to go find a local group near you than it is to start calling out groups all over the country. There's, there's tons of them, um, that are, uh, you know, ethical rescues and all of that great stuff. So, um, definitely check out the show notes on this episode and, and get those links to those AKC articles. I'm excited about the science because I know what it's done for our family. And I don't think that people understand. Like, I feel like I had one of those awakening moments where, you know, how before you started paleo and someone would say to you, like, um, that food makes a difference in the way that you feel. <laughs> and you were kind of blind <laughs> to it. And you're like, yeah, sure. Um, it, you know, what I eat can affect my allergies, whatever, you know, like rolling your right. eyes. Um, and now that you see the light and you're like, how did I ever not see that? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's no way to unsee it. It's the same for me as pet ownership, like puppy dog ownership. Like I've had pets my whole life. I actually grew up with dogs, but they were never my dogs. And they were always like the one that I was talking about that we got when it was a puppy, it was bonded to my mom. And I adored that dog as the best dog we ever had. Um, But it was bonded to my mom. And so like, I never had the kind of relationship that we have with our dog right now. And every single one of our family members, although she is bonded to me, um, benefits from her from a mental health perspective. And so I'm like talking about her and she's scratching on the door trying to get in. She's so sad. (laughs) She's like, but it's the two hours a week. We don't hang out, mom. Um, And I, I, I'm excited for you to share the science of why that is and how that is for hopefully an aha moment for people the way that we had with food. Yeah, so actually what's really interesting about the science on uh, pet ownership and the benefits of pet ownership is um, in many ways it doesn't matter what kind of pet you have. There is definitely some unique benefits to owning a dog, um, but a lot of the different sort of mental health benefits of pet ownership actually is what's important is the bond with the animal, not necessarily what type of animal it is. So you could have that same close bond with a bird or a rote or a cat or, or a three-legged lizard, a three-legged <laughs> lizard or a little pig, or I'm trying to think of what other types of um, house pets you might have. Um, but really what, what matters is the, the bond and the relationship with the animal. Um, given there are some unique benefits to to dogs that we don't necessarily get from other animals. But there's been a huge amount of studies. I actually um, grabbed some some research as I was preparing this episode that I had done um, for the section on pet ownership and paleo principles. And then I, I went to a PubMed. I was like, okay, it's like, what's, what's new? Like what, you know, since, since I wrote this book, right. It's been a couple years already. What, what else is there that I can add to this? And I was shocked how many studies there were just in the last couple of years that are starting to look at, um, teasing out the mechanisms behind like what, what's responsible for these benefits. And it's really interesting because it seems to be benefiting our health from a variety of different points. So there's the connection point. Um, we know that owning a companion animal reduces stress and depression. And that is um, through impacts directly on the HPA axis and cortisol, as well as causing the release of oxytocin, which is the love hormone, but it is the hormone that... Um, 
you would release when you hugged or cuddled another person that increases, right? That hormone actually drives a lot of, uh, of the neurological connection, right? So it drives the sense of trust and, you know, like all of the, the, uh, social connection that we have with another human, uh, it's the same hormone being released when we are, you know, hanging out with our, with our pets. So, um, that is a large part of the science on this is that, um, a lot of science that has been done and it's been done in children and adults and, uh, elderly living by themselves, showing that a pet can actually provide connection and reduce the sense of isolation and feeling isolated is a health risk factor. Like it, it's, um, pretty, it's, there are studies that actually want to put, um, social isolation at the same level of risk as being obese, inactive and being a smoker. And so knowing that a pet can take that place, I think is, is really, really empowering information. And then there's been this whole collection of really fascinating research papers that have shown like more granular impact. So companion animals can reduce blood pressure. They can reduce your cholesterol and your triglycerides. Um, they've been shown to have pretty, uh, like a lot of the cardiovascular disease research in part because you can quantify risk factors, but then you can also quantify disease activity pretty easily. A lot of the research has been done in the context of cardiovascular disease. It also makes sense because cardiovascular disease is directly linked with stress. So if you've got a companion animal that's going to reduce your stress, you can measure that as well. But um, it's been shown having a pet improves cardiovascular disease outcomes. There was even one study showing a reduced risk of death within the first year after an acute myocardial infarction uh, for dog owners compared to people who didn't own dogs, which was kind of an amazing study to be able to show that kind of a difference. Uh, it reduces both you know, heart attacks and strokes. It can reduce allergies. It can reduce obesity. It can improve rheumatoid arthritis and improve osteoporosis. Uh, it can benefit um, ADHD uh, and autism. There's just like huge range of different benefits. And so the studies that have tried to like, okay, like, okay, we can measure all of these different benefits of, of having an animal, um, you know, having this, this bond with a pet. What is the actual science? Like what is behind this? So oxytocin is definitely one of the mechanisms. Um, and the direct interaction with the HPA axis and neurotransmitters is another mechanism, but also with dogs, especially, um, dog owners are more likely to have healthy habits. And that's probably because a dog in general, like most, most breeds of dog, um, and, and crossbreeds need to be walked, um, every day. And so the part where you're getting outside to take your dog to go potty, you might be playing fetch with them. Um, you, you, you might be taking them for a walk. You might be taking them from a rigorous activity, so that's actually been quantified in studies that basically shows to compare to any other kind of pet, if, um, if you own a dog, you are far more likely to be physically active. And what's really interesting is you're far more likely to have a healthy diet. And that probably relates to the, um, there's a, a very strong interaction between lifestyle and cravings and appetite regulation. And so physical activity helps regulate appetite and cravings. Getting enough sleep helps regulate appetite and cravings and managing stress 
And then physical activity helps improve sleep quality and helps manage stress. So if you can put one of those pieces in place and with uh, dog ownership, it's almost certainly physical activity as being the thing that dog ownership is driving, it's translating to all of these different aspects, lifestyle aspects, as well as diet and helping to dial those in. So a lot of the benefits of dog ownership is going to come out of increased physical activity. But then what's really cool is that there's all of these additional studies showing um, that there's benefits beyond that. So where you actually start controlling for diet and lifestyle and physical activity and start showing that there's other benefits. And those are the ones that are mediated through the stress axis, through oxytocin, through neurotransmitters. And there's been a variety of studies that have shown that having any kind of companion animal, and here's where it's not so dog specific, um, having any kind of companion animal um, has been shown to reduce depression, reduce anxiety, reduce feelings of social isolation. And we're seeing it mediated through hormones by um, having measurably higher oxytocin, lower cortisol, better regulated neurotransmitters like dopamine. And um, actually, this one was a really, really interesting one. So uh, measurably lower alpha amylase levels, which is a salivary digestive enzyme that helps to break down sugars and starch, which actually would imply that, uh, and this is probably mediated through the stress axis, but it actually implies a healthier um, blood sugar response through the, the sort of more um, drawn out uh, digestion and absorption of carbohydrates that would then help to translate to other health benefits, which is, which is very, very cool. I am like the emoji where the brain is coming off of the top. Like that's Uh what's happening to me right now. Um, I does not surprise me at all about oxytocin. I always think of that hormone. I know this is a complete side tangent, but when I used to, um, be a little H.A. league leader is that was the hormone that I would explain to people is like your happy mm-hmm. hormones of when you're breastfeeding a baby and you just kind of like fall in love with that baby and it can do no wrong and you're just like oh I'm in love with you and so like you said it's the love hormone but not from my perspective I've never associated it with like romance I've associated it with like connection if that makes yeah. sense um, and so for you to say that it increases oxytocin I'm like oh 100% I like mm-hmm. I'm I'm on board. Penny is totally my nursling. Like I get it. <laughs> um, so also oxytocin directly leads into the immune system. And so in, increasing oxytocin actually is anti-inflammatory. So there's this whole other side. Like it's not just that oxytocin makes you feel happy. It's actually has this direct impact on immune regulation that can reduce risk for disease as well. I love it. So there have been some really interesting studies along this vein of sort of looking at um, looking at the benefits of pet ownership through the lens of the stress response um, or through the lens of uh, neurotransmitters or like, for example, um, like hormone, hormonal response. And so there was um, one study done in 2002 uh, that I uh, particularly enjoyed reading that they um, – 
they actually, so what they did was they did this like stress test and they measured, um, they're literally like getting people to do math in their head um, while feeling cold. And then they were measuring how their heart reacted, right? So they were like measuring things like heart rate and blood pressure uh, in response to having to do math in your head when you're cold, um, which, uh, is a really interesting (laughs) study design. And they, uh, I'm over here like what people don't enjoy just doing math for fun. (laughs) Like you say that to me and I'm like, I like being cold. I like math. I'm down. I'm, I'm ready for this study. Just right. So for you, I have to just ramp it up to vector calculus then. Um, so, (laughs) so they took 240 married couples, half of whom owned a pet and the other half didn't. And then they had, they basically mix and matched. So they would have these people uh, do the, uh, the this stress test in the presence of their pet, in the presence of, of their spouse, or then in the non-pet owner, owners, the substitute for a pet would be a friend. So a friend, spouse, or a pet. And guess which way made the least amount of stress? Oh, for sure, a pet. I mean- right. Because you don't want your friend or your spouse judging your ability to do math in the cold. (laughs) Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. I think the unconditional love is a major, a major piece of this puzzle where you just, you know, your pets love you because you feed them. And um, that that's uh, something I think, you know, you worry with humans about judgy judgment. (laughs) <laughs> unless you feed them <laughs> unless, unless you feed them because um, they feel like can be judgy judgment though. yes i feel like your children while all you're doing is feeding them just love you unconditionally and <laughs> it's once you start like having interaction with them that the judgment starts it, it's once you make them do their homework that's when that's when things start to unravel mm-hmm. um but or i, clean up I, I thought rooms, that was really yeah. interesting because they they're actually able to measure the like cardiac reactivity to stress in these patients and showed that the lowest reactivity was among pet owners in the presence of their pet. Um, so they didn't have the same, it wasn't like having a pet made you, um, overall, like have a better stress response. Cause if you were a pet owner, but you were in the presence of your spouse, you didn't have as good a stress response as if you were a pet owner in the presence of your pet. It's pretty great. Makes sense to me. <laughs> This is, um, I'm going so, to advocate for recording with Penny in the room from now on. And I'm going to tell you it's because I need to think more clearly. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to point back to the study and you're going to say, but Stacy, she snores so loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of her snoring as dog purring. Um, so there have been a, a bunch of other studies that have uh, looked at this in different ways. Um, there was a really good study that just looked at uh, dopamine, endorphin, and cortisol in people just spending 30 minutes interacting with the dog. So they were petting and playing with the dog. It was not their dog, so it wasn't necessarily looking at pet ownership, just looking at spending time with the dog, and showed that in just 30 minutes of hanging out with the dog – Dopamine was increased. That's the um, that's the main neurotransmitter responsible for the reward. Uh, endorphin, which is uh, our our happy happy feeling hormones that we get when things feel good, right? And then uh, decreased levels of cortisol, so showing a, a lower stress response just in 30 minutes. And there's actually been other studies that have looked at this as well. There was one study that found um, a similar level. Uh, effect in the stress axis in healthcare worker workers after only five minutes of petting a dog. 
curious if you found information about people who are uncomfortable with dogs. Um, like you said, I, you know, Matt's side of the family, and I think you said with your daughters, there's like a little mm-hmm. bit of anxiety around yeah. dogs based on a prior experience. Um, and I know like with my older two boys that remembered the older dog that we had, they we're also very much like, okay, now we need to train Penny as soon as we get her, like no jumping, like they, you know, they remembered all that stuff um, because they remembered how they felt with that other dog and they didn't want other children to feel that way or do you know what I mean? And so I'm just, I guess I'm curious, A, yeah. what information is out there and B, I'm assuming it does not have the same positive response if you're feeling anxiety and stress about the animal, like right. is there something that can be done or mitigated in some sort of way. So definitely that falls under like a couple of different banners. So like one is generally with pet ownership, um, like you, you tend to see that sort of nervousness with people who don't own a pet. Right. So like, that's one of the reasons why we're getting a puppy, why I put, um, literally hundreds of hours into the research, uh, not to mention all of the positive dog training (laughs) videos I've watched on YouTube. Um, hundreds of hours, hundreds, almost like you I could have kept that to yourself. You, I didn't throw I you under the bus on that. <laughs> uh, but you know, so the funny thing too, is as a total aside, David, my husband, um, says, well, do they spell it positive P A W? Oh and my I said, gosh. I said, I said, no. And he's like, well, then it's wrong. <laughs> Cause he thinks it should be positive. I just totally face palmed at how bad that joke is. I know the dog, the dog is abound in this household, but you know, we all love a pun. So it works out. Um, but that's, I mean, for us personally, that's one of the, the factors that sort of went into this decision was, um, my husband and daughter's unease around dogs. Like they're, they're all in, they want this dog, but the reason why they're all in is because of the amount of research that I've done and because we're getting a puppy and because they know what to expect and they, right. They've FaceTimed with the puppies and with the breeder. And it's just been like, it's, it's been the whole process that has made them so excited and bought in. Um, and it's not something that I necessarily could have reproduced, uh, in other ways. So part of it is that, and that's where the like bond, the studies have basically shown that feeling a bond with the pet is required for the benefits. And so the feeling unease around a pet would fall under the like not feeling bonded with that pet. I don't think it would be possible. I have a hard time imagining, um, feeling uneasy around a pet and also feeling really bonded with them. Like those don't seem compatible. Um, but there was a study done in, um, children that was looking at perceived stress and then their actual cortisol stress response. And it, interestingly, I think this kind of answers the question a little bit. So, when the children initiated petting of the dog, um, while they were experiencing a stressor with their pet presence, um, it lowered their perceived stress as well as their physiological stress. So it lowered their cortisol response. But if the dog was the like was was doing what they were called proximity seeking behavior, which basically means the dog was like, play with me, play with me, cuddle with me, cuddle with me, because dogs do do that. Um, they then the effect was, um, not as pronounced. So if, when it was child initiated, super benefit, when it was dog initiated, 
not as much benefit. So I think that probably of all the scientific studies I've seen, that's probably the closest to really getting at that question of, um, like if you feel nervous around a dog, it, do you get the same benefit? And the answer is, is yeah, probably, probably not. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but I will say my own personal experience, it's not impossible to overcome. Matt really did not like dogs kind of like he didn't like fish or vegetables when I met him. Mm-hmm. And eventually with enough exposure <laughs> and comfort and positive experience, he came to appreciate vegetables and fish and dogs. Um, but he had to, like you said, bond with an animal that didn't make him feel uncomfortable. And it just yeah. so happened that his brother who has a wonderful dog stayed with us for a while. And it was shortly thereafter that the kids were petitioning after his brother moved out and we no longer had a dog in the house that they were like, Hey, um, remember that cute fuzzy thing that we all like? Let's get another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he was, he was comfortable and open to it, but it was, you know, he'd had a number of bad experiences and was a little bit, you know, like, Anxious is not an adequate word to describe how he felt about dogs when I met him. Um, And so it can be overcome, but not if the person doesn't want to work on it has been my experience, right? Like you have to be willing to be open to that relationship with the dog in order to make the bond and and let go of the fear or the anxiety or whatever it is. Also a a good, a good time to, um, to just throw out that like a lot of, the mental health benefits are any pet. So if uh, you're somebody who doesn't want a dog for whatever reason, um, I know um, my mom had uh, a rescue who had um, a dog rescue who had mental health issues his whole life. And he was um, not a safe dog for my family to be around. And I think that's one of the reasons why my, my kids have um, nervousness around dogs is such early memories of, of this particular dog. Um, so if that's something that you're, you know, you're, you're not willing to go there or you don't have a lifestyle that would accommodate a dog, maybe you work really long days, right? There's lots of other reasons why a dog might not be a good fit. Um, there's, you know, these benefits, um, the mental health benefits and the benefits to, you know, cortisol and dopamine endorphins and, oxytocin are ones that are much more just about the bond with a pet. So maybe a cat or a parakeet. And I will say you never know about a particular animal kind of like you don't know about a human. Like you said, like that dog that had issues, it could, it could have been genetic. It could have been lifestyle. It isn't necessarily breed specific. I think there's a lot of fear around certain types of breeds and, um, Or like if you're rescuing an animal, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to have issues. There are so many happy, healthy, well-adjusted dogs who are adopted into families. I know two of my family of um, the women that I work with have adopted dogs during this um, pandemic and they have acclimated and adjusted and been wonderful members of their family in a very short amount of time. Um, But I do want to put out there that like, Animals are are unique individuals with their own sets of emotions and thought processes, not exactly like humans, but it's an you know it's another living, breathing animal that has had life experiences that you you don't know that might be triggered by some sort of event that you can't anticipate. So when 
I know people who have had experiences who are afraid of animals. It's unfortunate because I want to say like, that's that thing. That's not like dogs in general, right? Like it's, it was that particular creature that had whatever incident or whatever experience. And it's not, it's not like, you know, how many experiences have we had where humans have been jerks? I was going to say, it's almost as though, um, like not all humans are good humans. Um, it's, it's kind of like that. Yep. Kind of like it. (laughs) So before we wrap up, are you telling people what your dog's name is? Is this like a situation <laughs> like you're waiting to debut the, the animal in your home before you release the name or what? Uh, so by the time this podcast goes live, we will have had the, the dog in our house for a few days. So um, no, we actually, we have completely settled on a name. We've had, uh, due to COVID-19, we've, done, we've been uh, getting to know the dogs over FaceTime, uh, which has definitely been a unique way to go about it. But uh, we have a really good sense of her personality, and uh, and so does the breeder. And uh, we have decided to name her Soka. Uh, she is named after Padawan Ahsoka Tano. And I'm just really hoping right now that Matt interjects and edits himself into this episode with a lengthy explanation of who Padawan Ahsoka Tano is from the Star Wars universe. Sarah is actually going to give a pretty good explanation of who Ahsoka Tano is, but since you wanted me to explain it, I will. Ahsoka Tano is a character created for Star Wars The Clone Wars, the computer-generated animated series that was a continuation of Star Wars that Disney put out on their channel a little while ago and is actually ending very soon. Uh, She is a Padawan. She kind of has a look that's very similar to Princess Mononoke from the Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, she has the face paint. She kind of has like little cat ears and two braids that come down. So she is a, a very popular character for people who are fans of that show. Uh, and specifically, her nickname is Snips, given to her by Anakin Skywalker, which is why Sarah is going to be calling her that when she's in trouble, just like Anakin does. <laughs> But just in case he doesn't, um, she is uh, one. I mean, she's my favorite female character from the Star Wars entire canon Star Wars universe. Um, she is Anakin Skywalker's Padawan learner from um, Star Wars: The Clone Wars animated series, which takes place in the timeline between ep- the movies Episode Two and Three. Um, and she's amazing. Uh, she makes an appearance in Rebels, and she is rumored to be cast by Rosario Dawson and show up in the next season of The Mandalorian and maybe even get her own Disney Plus show. So very, very excited about that. Um, and then uh, we've basically shortened it to Soka, um, which is also uh, the Japanese equivalent of okay. Okay. Uh, like the, the, and all the different ways that you would use the word. Okay. Like I get it. Um, sure. Let's go. Right. Like all of those different ways that you would use the word. Okay. That just to me, like encapsulates a dog's personality, which was also a nod to, um, my mom has had uh, her last couple of animals have both been named. Her last dog was 
Kato, which is Japanese for dog, and her last cat was Neko, which is Japanese for cat. So it was a bit of a nod uh, to those animals. And um, and she just she suits she suits the name. So I don't you know there's always that caveat of when we actually get her in our house that uh, it's totally possible we'll record next week and I'll be like yeah no we changed it. But <laughs> at this point, uh, I think we have picked um, the absolute nerdiest name possible short of like Gandalf Sky Potter the third um so this is yeah this I'm is dead <laughs> I'm dead I hope someone names their next animal <laughs> what'd you say Gandalf Sky Potter <laughs> Gandalf Sky Potter the third oh my gosh which was actually under consideration for a while which is why I had it in my head I I can't even, I like literally can't talk right now. My face is frozen from laughter. Like I'm both shocked and not at all surprised. No, no, it was, it was, I mean, it was basically a, what's the nerdiest name we could think of. And um, because we're all like Lord of the Rings fans here and Star Wars fans and Harry Potter fans. Um, the, the only thing it was missing was like an MCU character in there. So yeah. Um, no, but I, this is, this has been, uh, um, it's been, I, I, I always really loved this piece of like finding the right name for the animal. Like, what is your name? Like if, if only you could just tell me what your name is and now I just have to guess and figure it out. And, um, yeah, she really suits Soka and, uh, deep cut, deep cut on the Star Wars nerd reference. We will probably call her snips when she's naughty. Yeah, I don't get that, but Matt can explain it. Um, I do like the name. And the good news for you is that when introducing her to normal people, they will not be so off-put as they could be with <laughs> Gandalf <laughs> Skypotter the third, which is very clear um, what your intention is. It's also a lot to I literally have tears rolling down my eyes. I <laughs> I can't. I'm like, I literally cannot. Come here, Gandalf Sky Potter the Third. Come here. Come here, Gandalf Sky Potter the Third. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Too many syllables. Okay, with tears in my eyes, I've got to wrap this up because I need to go tell someone what I've just heard. I need to like <laughs> share this because I'm not going to be able to talk about it on social media. For I'm like literally. Uh, tears are rolling down my eyes in a good way. So thank you for that. Um. Thank you, listeners, for joining in. And Sarah, I'm excited for you to welcome the newest member of your family as someone who has recently had a dog come into our family. And I'm sure I speak for all dog owner listeners. Um, you're in for quite a treat. I know that uh, puppies are a lot of work, but just like a newborn baby, it is so worth it. And honestly, not as hard as I thought. Like, I think if you go into it thinking it's going to be hard, it's it's not as bad as if you're like, well, it's just a dog. How hard can I mean, it be? Um, my feeling is, my feeling is I realize it's going to be a lot of work, but also like not as much as a baby, right? Right? I mean, not as much as a baby. baby. A baby wears a diaper. So that makes it easier. <laughs> you'll be fine everything will be fine and it will all work out and when we talk to you next um you can it'll be like a time warp and you can tell us all the lovely things about your dog um i know that we have some follow-up questions both that i have wanted to ask you or have asked you that we've had offline discussions about that we um can talk more about as you become a dog owner and we can explore things like 
ideal food and different kinds of things. You Listeners, if you have questions um, about pet ownership, now would be the time to submit those questions because Sarah will be much more likely to answer them for you now. <laughs> so true. So true because every question will be like, wait, I didn't think of that. I need to research that for 40 hours. Totally. That's, that's absolutely what's going to happen. So I have to get it right. I have to get it right. You only have one shot. Got to get it right. Yes. So if you have any questions, put them in the hopper. Again, we have contact forms on our blogs, um, thepaleomom.com, realeverything.com. And if you've enjoyed this show or any of our shows, we would just so appreciate you leaving a review and sharing it with friends and family. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for being part of this awesome community. We know that we would be besties if only you could chime in. Super besties. The best way to stay in touch with us is to engage on our social media, subscribe to our newsletters, and share this podcast with others. Thank you for sharing. We love your reviews in iTunes, Stitcher, or however you listen. It is a live thing. I am literally live with Sarah recording a podcast right now. Hi, Penny. You need to leave. Wesley, are you going to take the dog? You want to say hi, Penny? I want to say hi. Let's hear some snuffles. (laughs) Is that a dog purr? Yep, because I'm holding her. She's happy. She would stay in my arms 24-7 if she could. I was distracted. I was eating um, dried kiwi. It's like my new favorite thing. And uh, I was like, oh, wait, it's lunchtime. I got to shove some calories into my face. And, um, and yeah, I was just distracted and dried Kiwi land. Pretty much all that happened. I'm going to share <sighs> a photo on Instagram of the bucket of kale chips that is currently on my desk. But I can't eat them while we're talking <laughs> because um, it's very crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> Are they homemade or are they yeah, like a yeah, favorite? They're yeah. homemade. I don't. So first of all, it's very hard to find them nightshade free. Second mm-hmm. of all, and like they're like uh, nutritional yeast free too. I don't have a problem with nutritional yeast, but because um, most of them are beet based, but. Um, they just crumple in the bags when you buy them, and they're so mm-hmm. overpriced for just roasting some kale. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.